Welcome to a special event with Bon Appetit at the Apple Store Soho in New York. Please welcome Editor-in-Chief of Bon Appetit, Adam Rappaport. Um, so, hey, thank you guys for coming out. This is awesome. Uh, I'm a big Apple fan. Hopefully, you're also a big Bon Appetit fan. Um, so this is very exciting for us to be here. Um, and it's pretty simple. Tonight, we are going to talk about how we shot this issue here with one of these, um, the entire feature well, uh, which in magazine speak are the big beautiful photos in the, the middle of the magazine where there are no advertisements. Um, and so to do so, uh, we're gonna bring out some guests. First, Alex Grossman, our creative director at Bon Appetit. Wow. Alex was shooting a bunch of videos today, so if his skin looks really good, it's only because he has makeup on. Um, and then our ace photography team of Taylor and Jen, also known as Peden and Monk. If you read magazines, uh, as, or food magazines in particular, or travel, um, you see a lot of their work because they're incredibly good at what they do. Um, and they take beautiful photographs, and they take a lot of them, which as an editor, will put Taylor uh, and Jen on an assignment. And we're like, how did you guys take this many photos this quickly, and they're all good? Um, and it's a good problem to have. Yes, Alex. Yes. Yeah. It's better to have too many good photos. So um, today, uh, like I said, we're going to talk. I feel weird sitting down. I feel like I have to be the guy who's pacing on stage. Um, uh, so with this issue, I don't, how many people have read this issue? Has anyone seen it? Or a handful of people. That's good. Or a good, like half the audience. Um, so we wanted to do a food culture issue. And, and the feeling was kind of getting at, like, how the hell did food get so cool in the last couple of years? I mean, like... You see chefs, and they're all, like, inked up with sleeves of tattoos. You go to Brooklyn, and all the kids in Williamsburg are at Smorgasburg every Saturday eating all these amazing foods. You see Beyonce in her Yale-lettered kale T-shirt. Um, even the president, when Obama was in town last year, like, he wasn't going to the Four Seasons. He went to Estella on East Houston Street. I mean, it's crazy. And so it's like we wanted to explore how did food get to this point where it was such in the pop culture sphere and, and it actually had become cool. It wasn't just for foodies anymore. So we decided to do a cover of like taking a picture of food at the table. And this was at Roberta's in Brooklyn, the amazing pizzeria restaurant in Bushwick. Um, and then we started thinking, I was like, can we actually shoot a magazine issue with an iPhone? And I have no idea what you guys discussed or with whom, or how did you decide that this was something we could do? Well, of course, when you asked me that, I said, Absolutely, yes. You know, and you were like, really? I was like, well, maybe we should ask a couple people first. A couple um, people like these people who shoot yeah. for a living. But the funny thing about this is it's like the culmination of years of advancement in digital, digital photography. Like, we probably been joking around about shooting magazines with iPhones for five years, like ever since they came out. But this is the first iPhone that actually remotely made it possible. The 6S so, we're talking about. Yeah, the new one. And, and the only reason I know that was because from working with photographers like these guys, because we'd be on set joking around about it. And when it came to the, the recent phone, everyone started saying, actually, you could shoot this. You could did, shoot an issue did, with an iPhone. What did you guys think when Alex said to you, hey, we want to shoot this issue, but you got to shoot it with an iPhone? What was your response as? Because these guys have, how much is, I mean, you have cameras that cost thousands and thousands of dollars. And what, what did you think? I mean, we thought it was, you know, totally doable. We were... Um, Why? Well, it actually goes back to the December issue that we shot for you guys. We went to Japan, and we had our iPhones on the rest of the trip, and we didn't take our 
big phones out for the rest of the trip. So we shot everything on iPhone. And after that, we our confidence was just like, we can for sure do this. We knew that the quality was uh, up to par. And it's such yeah. a good tool. Yeah. yeah. The, you know, the other thing that's crazy about it is that for as much as I was sure that it would probably work, photographers are so, you know, it's, this is their job. Like, and they notice stuff about their pictures that no one else was ever going to notice. Um, I consider myself somewhat of a perfectionist, but it's nowhere close to like what these guys do. And the fact that all of the, these guys and a couple other photographers were so sure about it and that they actually wanted to do it, um, that they wanted to kind of figure out the challenge of doing it was what made, I think, us feel so confident about pursuing it. I feel like I need a cocktail on this little cocktail table. Yeah, I know, like, like I was on Johnny Carson like 40 years ago. That'd be good. Um, but I'm going to stand up because one thing we did, like it's, it's interesting to talk about how amazing iPhones photographies looked. And we all know we've done it. We've emailed photos and you see it on your Mac desktop and it's glowing and it's gorgeous. But it's another thing to actually print a photo. And I guess so, Alex, you know, this was a shot we, we did of this cool fried chicken sandwich as the kind of like the sandwich of the year. Um, and then, but talk about like the, the, the transference of a digital file to a printed page and some of the challenges you face when, you know, making sure it actually prints well, because it's, it's a different thing, right? Do you want to speak to that? <laughs> you want to do well, it? Well, yeah, I mean, one of the things with the iPhone is it's, you know, it can be a great automatic camera and now it's a great manual camera. So we can treat it uh, the same way that we do our digital SLRs. So now with certain apps, you can control the aperture, you can control the, uh, the resolution, and you can get a really great um, photo out of it. So there's some you know, things that we had to overcome to get the image quality that we wanted, and one of those things was kind of locking down the camera. So we had to get a special mount that we could uh, put on our tripods. And we'll talk then, about that, because this, this is a shot that you guys did of this crazy waffle nacho yeah. dish for how to get the most Instagram likes possible. But talk about like, why like, a lens that small needs to be completely still compared to a bigger lens where you can do more just holding it yourself, correct? Yeah, I mean, the native lens is pretty you know, wide angle, but you want to eliminate any kind of shake or, or motion from the picture. Why? Well, you want the you know nice, crisp, clear sharpness, so you can you know see all the detail and all the nooks and crannies. But so that's like you would. I'm sorry, just so if SLR is that what a basic digital camera is called or yeah, a digital SLR. Yeah, so thing. but that you could hold it in your hand and get a decent shot. But for an iPhone, you wanted to make sure it was completely stable. Well, you can you can definitely you know handhold an iPhone as well, but just to kind of control everything and allow for us to you know work with the stylist and work with Alex to compose the shot and have like a variable that's consistent throughout it. We wanted to kind of lock it off. There's also, I mean, the, a, a big camera is also a heavy object. Like it, it doesn't shake yeah. quite as much like from like just simple body movements. I mean, when you're holding an iPhone, like to take a very small area, still a photograph, your breathing is shaking it, your, the, your pulse may be shaking it. Yeah. So there's that. And, and there's also like, isn't there, Maybe I'm wrong on this, but isn't there depth of field issues also with the size of the iPhone lens? Like, aren't you going to wind up with less depth, a lot less depth of field? I mean, it's, it's, there's not a whole range. Like on the SLRs, you're able to really throw things out of focus and you know, focus on something close, and then the background goes completely blurry. The, the iPhone lens is a little more compacted, um, 
but yeah, I mean, we just wanted to, you know, treat the iPhone and this, um, this photo shoot like we do, um, you know, normal shoots with you guys. And, and there were certain things we did when we were, it was interesting because, like I said, looking at images on a computer screen is very different than looking at them on the printed page. And, and we had that moment where we, it all looked great, but then we still had to find out whether how it was going to print out. And there were certain pages, um, like this spread of this awesome crab noodle dish from this restaurant, Mofo, in, in New Orleans. And I, I think it, with this one, if you look at the iPhone, you know, your average photo is on a screen that size. And then all of a sudden you go to a big two-page magazine spread. The question is, how big can you go? And I, I know this was an issue because we wanted to run it like massive on a spread. And in your experience, how big could we go with the photo? And, and did it depend on how you took the photo to start off? Well, I, I just want to say like it's, it's remarkable. Like let me, as a disclaimer, say yes. like, or preface this by saying it's amazing that it's amazing to me that this can even happen. But we are kind of like, especially with a double page spread in a magazine, you're at the limits of what's possible. And so we realize like at a certain size, even gaining, you know, where, whereas these guys will take a, a photo with an SLR and it'll be a hundred meg file, like a giant file. You can zoom in to half of it or less and it'll still be perfectly sharp and perfect. You know, with this is like we, we realized we couldn't zoom in basically as much as we wanted to. So we had to do a lot of the photographs more so than maybe some other times, um, we had to run them as they were. Like, you know, we probably in a normal magazine would have zoomed in more, but that 10, and by 20%. zoomed in, you mean cropping in from the original file. Right, right. Yeah. If you zoomed in 10, 20% more, you saw it. So everything you did, you know, you're kind of on the limits of a technology. So everything you did kind of... But like this photo kind of here, yeah. this photo was taken really close up. You mean, correct? Was this basically right. the size? Yeah. Right. Everything, everything you see is pretty much the framing from the phone the way we shot it. Yeah. I mean, the, the resolution is there for sure, but it also comes down to viewing distance. I'm sure you guys have seen the uh, shot on iPhone 6 campaign. So there they're taking iPhone pictures and making billboards, but you're viewing them from afar. So... You know, from afar, it looks, you know, sharp and crisp. Same as a magazine, you're viewing it here. And if you brought it very close up, you might see some of the yeah. imperfections. But I mean, it's still a great camera. Everyone wanted to know, like, well, how much um, correct color correction or this or that did you do on the photos afterwards? And in a magazine, everything receives some treatment. And it's not that it's fake or Photoshop. We're not changing the photo itself. But just like when you guys, if you take an Instagram shot, you're still playing with the saturation, playing with the light. I mean, that's just photography in general and has been so going back to the days of Ansel Adams, I assume. You know, can you guys talk about how you would play with a, a, an image on an SLR compared to an iPhone and is there much difference at all in terms of getting it the way you want it to look? It's actually very similar. Um, I was just thinking about it on a ride over here. I was thinking how many images of ours get seen in the world without us doing contrast or a little bit of color and and really truly none of them do we are constantly even if it's on our phone working um just adjusting the color straightening something just kind of i guess making it in our eyes how we see perfection but but it's also, so, but it's also it sometimes very you, you affect the photo to get it closer to what the actual color of a fruit is. Like sometimes you, you, know, you take a picture of a ripe strawberry, and then when you look at the image, you're like, oh, it's not as, as quite as red. And so it's, yeah, I, I always think like you're, you're, 
I don't think you're like faking it. You're just well, sort of like just kind of accentuating, en- it. yeah, enhancing it, enhancing, it, it. but also getting but it right sometimes. I yeah, also think yeah. though that like uh, it is funny. We in these interviews, people would ask like what we did to it, as if if we did anything to it, coming off of an iPhone, it was somehow faking it. Every single picture that anyone that considers that they have a platform publishes, and by publish, I mean printed in a magazine, put on a website, or put on someone's Instagram account. Everyone's doing something to their images. Like, we didn't do anything to these images that we wouldn't do to any photograph we'd normally run in the magazine. We'd basic color moves, contrast moves, like nothing. And I think, like, I do more on my Instagram account than I did to, like, the images on, on the magazine. Yeah. So, yeah, I think this notion of, like, did you treat images? I mean, that's the amazing thing about the apps that you can do on your phone right now, that you can do full-blown retouching on your iPhone, um, and the images look so cool so easily. So, Yeah, yeah. It's, it's interesting I mean, just how nimble the photo camera If you look at these photos here, this is by a photographer, Marcus Nilsson, who also does a lot of food photography, works for us, a lot of other magazines. Um, and we shot this up at uh, Blue Hill at Stone Barn, Dan Barber's restaurant, and about dishes that can sort of are environmentally more safe and friendly and, and how we can sort of, you can eat better and also be sort of more sustainable. Um, and I think they're, they're just stunning and, and so sharp and just beautiful sort of like almost, I don't want to say urban pen because everyone says stuff like that, but just great, beautiful still lifes. Um, and he shot this with an iPhone and then we shot these great shots. This is interesting. We shot um, shots outside at this restaurant, Four Horsemen in Williamsburg um, that James Murphy and his friends run, which is awesome. And got this very cool, almost sort of like Alex was saying, sort of rock photography poster shot on an iPhone. And then also this very kind of classic overhead sort of studio-esque food photography. Um, and I think it's, yeah, the versatility of the iPhone, that's kind of what surprised me. That these are very different photographs, outdoor shots at this food festival, fun, fun, fun in Austin um, with natural light, handheld. Um, to hit all those different notes with the exact same camera it's it's kind of stunning yeah well that's what's awesome about the iphone is for me it's it's always on me it's in my pocket so i can capture a moment that's happening right there um you know take a bunch of different pictures and then go sit down later in a cafe or at home and kind of edit through them and it's very tactile um especially when you're in the editing apps and you're doing color and contrast and we like to make things black and white so that's half of the fun um you know you're more connected to the imagery maybe you're you're seeing it there on the scr- on the phone. It's a big, you know, screen. We have the the uh, iPhone 6s Plus, and it's massive. I mean, yeah. now I pick up a iPhone 4 or something, and it just feels like a toy. Yeah. But it's so cool. I mean, it's it's a whole new era. It's amazing. But we, Alex and I, we were talking about how some we have like a stable or a, a rotate a crew of like a, a core number of photographers that we use regularly in the magazine, and we follow them all on Instagram now, and they've all right. like that. It's such part of what they do and and you how you guys have sort of adapted to it and i i mean the other day we were looking at a or a couple of months ago we i wanted to do a shoot in the magazine about sort of mise en place how you put your little ingredients together to create a dish and i remember grabbing a shot from your instagram feed of like this tattooed arm reaching in and i was like can we you know, recreate a shot in the magazine from one of our regular photographers and basically get them to recreate it, but for the printed page of something that started off as a digital image on an iPhone screen. And it's, I don't know, I just think that that's so cool how inspiring iPhone slash Instagram photos are now where we get so much of our sort of like I think, inspiration from. I, I think, um, yeah, I think that, um, you know, we work at the magazine. Um, 
it's not a magazine anymore. It's much more than that. It's but, a brand. But we, we, we still refer to ourselves in many ways as a magazine. And, and something that you know, became very apparent many years ago was that, at least to me, was we don't compete, we don't compete with magazines. We compete with everything. People are out there um, just deciding how to spend their money, and there's no, they don't make these distinctions of whether they want to buy a magazine or look at a website or go to a movie. Or, you know, it's just choices. So it's just content. It's content. So with this, like, it's not surprising to me at all that, that you know, that, app, that, that, mag, that, that we are getting more of our ideas from other sources than other magazines. You used to look at kind of like what, if you were in fashion, what W or Vogue was doing if you worked at Bazaar and that kind of influenced some of the decisions you make. Yeah, we get way more of our ideas because the sheer volume of photography that's being taken, I mean, what's being taken on an iPhone, which is very much why we did this issue, what's being taken on an iPhone and posted onto social media apps and other places is like 99% of the food photography in the world. Like what we do is the tiniest amount. So just by sheer volume, you're gonna get so many more ideas coming from other sources, especially social media. Um, you know, we look at, every user of Instagram is used, looking at hundreds of photographs. And if you focus on food, you're looking literally at hundreds of food photographs a day. Like we publish 40 a month. Yeah. So yeah, inevitably like we're way more influenced, I would say by like outside sources than this, which like is my, a big reason we right wanted to do that. Is looking at her Instagram. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bust you. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, you go to a photo shoot for a magazine and everyone's just sitting around their iPhones all day. I mean, literally, the entire staff and crew and in between shots, everyone's just checking stuff. You guys, I mean, it's interesting, if you look at Pete and, what's your iPhone, what's your Instagram account? Pete and, Pete and Monk, P-E-D-E-N-M-U-N-K. I mean, it's interesting, can you talk about how your digital, Instagram, iPhone photography has sort of evolved or matured because I think what how, what your guys' account now looks like was different than when you originally first started posting on Instagram and 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 how you sort of matured on that medium where you were already have you matured. have you been stalking us? No. Yeah. How far <laughs> did you go back? Yeah. I started following you from the get go. Can you just talk about that sort of be, uh, yeah developing a digital style compared to a print style? Yeah. I mean, we you know we use our Instagram as a way to let people know what we're up to and where we are in the world. Um, and I think when we first started, it was a little more personal, maybe. Um, there's not as many pictures of uh, Kalua, our dog, uh, as there once were. But yeah, I mean, it's a great, it's a great tool. And um, do you shoot differently now? Do you do you like? Is there certain techniques you use more in ter in terms of posting to Instagram, like yeah. angles or light, that sort of stuff? I mean, we we try not to overthink it. We want to have you know fun with our Instagram and our you know digital presence. So it's all about you know just a great graphic um, shot that's very eye catching and. And that we think is going to get you know a lot of attention. Um, let's see. It's what also yeah. you know it's also uh, it's also I mean both shooting with an iPhone but also Instagram itself is is its own its own medium you know in a way and so people have gotten so much better at it you know like the base level to be a pretty good food Instagrammer these days compared to like even a year ago is crazy yeah you know like the the skill level is insane. I mean, how many good food Instagrammers, and and you know it's a bit of an art, but there's also rules. Like we did a very fun Ten Commandments of to get a better Instagram photos. How many people here are like sort of devout foodie food Instagrammers? You can be honest. Okay, um, 
but you know, there's a way to do it well. And I, I it's funny if you follow people at Bon Appetit. Um, thanks to Grossman, um, we like, we all kind of shoot the same way, and it's kind of overhead like that. You, you it's usually natural light. If you use a flash, you will be fired from the staff. Um, you can't shoot at an angle. There's like certain things you can do um, to get the shot right, um, and you know I I think you can learn those basic things pretty easily. And then if you want to take it to that next level, like Alex is a very good photographer and is more nuanced in style, but the basic food shot like that, like you can do, you can learn, right? Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, you just stand over it. Um, and, and yeah, make sure it's straight. Yeah, it's all about the light and even more importantly, it's about the styling and lucky for us, we, we get to work with some of the best food stylists in the industry. So we, um, with these nachos, we spent, I don't know how long we spent, but we, we really focused on the styling. And so we almost at a point step aside and just let the stylist kind of take over. You know, that, that's actually like a, a super good point because I think people think that when you make magazine photography that, that somehow, or I shouldn't say magazine, if you get hired to make photography on a shoot, you get, yes, you get to work with insanely talented people Great stylist. I mean, the crew sizes on a food shoot for us sometimes is a little absurd sometimes. Um, you guys would probably laugh. But there, if you're going through your life and you're eating three meals a day and going out drinking and you know, sometimes I'll eat five meals a day, like in the course of a week, there's so many opportunities to take a good picture. And if you're looking for it, which this has all made us very aware and we all are now looking for it, all you have to do now is edit your moments. If you're, if, you're, if you're hired to shoot a great photograph, you have to make it. And if it's not good, that's not good enough. And so you have to, there is this funny thing where we work very hard to create some version of reality that is hopefully as good as the versions of reality that people are just experiencing every day. And on that level, the iPhone and Instagram has kind of up the bar on a very big level. I think so much of great photography is the photos you don't share. Take 100 photos, you share the best one. And what's so amazing about the iPhone is that it allows you to take photos wherever you are. You can, like I said, whether you're at breakfast or whether you're at a barbecue, like you have it with you and like, oh, that's beautiful. I'm going to catch it. The light's great. I'm going I'm to get it. I don't have to have my camera with me. And on the flip side of that, if you get a photo, if there's a great dish you're eating, but the light's bad or, you know, then don't take a photo of it. Or maybe take a photo, but don't share it. Like, you don't have to share every photo you take. You take, you choose the best one with the best light at the best moment, and the best food styling and the cool surface, and that's the one you share. And, it's, and what's great about it, you can try taking photos with all the other ones. If they don't look good, you delete them. Like, it doesn't cost you anything. Um, and, you know, like I said, I, I spend half my day deleting photos. Like, yep, took 20 photos, I'm going to delete 19. Um, and that's, a, that's an interesting thing about the, di the digital phone and the iPhone. There, you, you don't, there's not that permanency to it. And that's a, a luxury that you know, was not in existence in pho photography 20, 30 years ago. I think that was, yeah, that was a really good point. I think, I think like, part of that also that, that ties into the last point that's interesting is that because there's some, you know, when you're holding a big camera, like a real camera. I like feel right like there. I feel like you I don't know. I mean you guys would know you maybe it's because I'm not a professional photographer. I feel like when you're like you have your big rig out and like it somehow like it matters more. Like an well, iPhone more, I feel like yeah. you just mess around with more and it and it's so much 
it's so much fr more freeing, I yeah. think. Well, um, the, the big camera and a big lens can be very intimidating, especially when you're taking a portrait of somebody. You know, it's a little more intense where the iPhone is maybe a little more casual and relaxed. Do you, uh, do you find that, like, have you ever taken, have you ever taken a, a portrait of a person with an iPhone? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now we we're actually, yeah, just started a series of portraits. Yeah, we're starting to document kind of all our crews and, and yeah. And how, and how, do, how do people respond they have more fun. Yeah. When we have the iPhone. They have more fun. It's looser. It's it's not as yeah, intimidating. Bars, Everyone's comfortable with it. And, yeah. 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 Everyone has one. Yeah. It's it's a medium. It's kind of the modern day Polaroid. I mean, it's yeah. So it is time for questions. Um, so whoever has questions about uh, this issue or Bon Appetit in general or food photography or any of that stuff, um, we'd love to hear them. Who's got who's got a question? A couple of technical questions. Number one was, uh, did you guys uh, use the native iPhone app, the camera app, to shoot? Number two, was the post-production done on, uh, on the phone itself, or was it done on a desktop? And third, uh, um, did you guys use any artificial lights? Thank you. Um, for, for us, we used um, Camera Plus was the app, um, and that actually gave us supposedly a lossless TIFF file, so it was the biggest um, file that you could get out of the iPhone. I love Camera Plus. Yeah, that's what it's I good. use. Great. It's a good app. <laughs> um, we also used another app called Manual, which is similar. It just lets you kind of override um, all the automatic settings. Um, we did use Continuous Light. This is a RE um, HMI and M18. So we wanted very bright light to get the best uh, quality photo. And sorry, the second. The In terms of when you, where did you adjust, make adjustments? Oh, on adjustments. the desktop or on the phone itself? We, um, well, we treated this you know, like we normally would um, a DSLR, which we'd tether, but we couldn't tether with the iPhone. There's no way to take the picture and have the image automatically go um, to the computer. So we would download the images, and then we did two variations for you, Alex. I think we did some in Capture One, which is the kind of normal uh, tethering program we would use. So that's adjusting contrast and exposure. And then we also did some more um, like VSCO cam kind of film filters and, and gave them a different look so it kind of had that Instagram Polaroid feel, so. The, um, the, I mean, I can answer for like some of the other photographers. I think some did use kind of second or third party apps, I should say, like uh, a lot of it, I would say half at least probably shot though just straight in the native camera. Um, I don't think many people manipulated the pictures in the camera. I think almost everyone, certainly everyone shooting still images like this one that was shot in the studio. Everyone in that case um, didn't adjust. They almost always put it in the camera, uh, into Capture One um, or into Lightroom. Um, as for the lighting, the lighting's actually like, the one technical part, which I'll make it fast, is that you, know, you have to remember with an iPhone, the lens is that big. So the amount of light that can come into that lens is you know, one, one hundredth or something of what can come into a full SLR lens. So you're, you're fighting light is basically the thing. So for, that, for the privilege of shooting with that tiny little camera, you need a lot of light. So the one constant with what we did, as much as possible, we put as much light into these pictures. We stuck things closer to windows, more into sunlight. Like if we had to light it, we pumped way more light than we normally would into it. Just because you don't want to be dealing, you know, it doesn't, there's no aperture with a lens like that. It's all handled through ISO. So if you, the, if the camera basically, the less light, the grainier it gets. Yeah. yeah. And also, A, those are great questions. Thank you. B, 
like I said, again, this is going to get printed on paper, and it's very different than looking on an image on a big desktop that the screen is backlit. I mean, everything is going to look a lot brighter on a computer screen than paper. So, again, we had to make sure the light was really right, and that's what's going to translate on page. Next question. Hi. Um, Hi. I think it's funny that you said everyone on your team kind of takes now takes the same Instagram photos, and I would say that's kind of safe to say about a lot of just foodie and food-interested people on Instagram. Like... The top down, the natural light, the like ice cream cone against a brick wall. I, I, she said ice cream against a brick wall, yeah. yeah. Or a sandwich, so yes. We've done that one. I, I think like it's interesting. So while that obviously does really well and it's I'm totally guilty of it as well because I want to get the likes, what do you guys think is kind of the next like creative step? Like can we move on past the top <laughs> down, like um, stand on a chair and take the photo? What what are you where are you at in your head with that? Um, Snapchat? Snapchat, yeah, there's a lot of Snapchat going on right now in our offices. Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, like, that's it. I think what's interesting, and I, I refer to if you go to Alex's Instagram feed, which is what is it? A L X Grossman. Yeah, I think. Or, it's, yeah, well, just yeah, yeah. just yeah. if you search for Alex Grossman, and he takes really beautiful photos, and also like um, Elena Sullivan, one of our art uh, designers on our staff. And the way you guys shoot, there's there's something just more nuanced, and also about it, there the light feels a little different. And like I said. I think we, you and I can take that sort of photo because it's easy to copy and you learn the rules. Having that next level, I, I think you guys have an eye and also you know what to shoot. And so much of photography is knowing what to shoot and not just how you shoot, right? Yeah, I mean, the food stuff looks so great overhead. It's very graphic and you can you know, style a moment that's very kind of eye-catching and it gives you that bird's eye um, perspective. But I think the great thing about photography is just to have fun and try and tell a story through your images. Um, and maybe not focus too hard on the trends and just, you know, play around, take a lot of different shots. And I, I wish I would see, I mean, yeah, I th what I would like personally, what I would like to see happen is I, and I am, I feel often like kind of a handy, handcuffed to my Instagram identity. And like, uh, and I say this, I should just do it. But, you know, you get kind of like, you're like, oh, I don't want to change things up too much. And, and granted, I, I, I sit around and think about how to make that magazine every month. So I naturally lean towards making stuff pretty. Um, I would love to look at, though, I'd like to look at, like, meal aftermaths. I wish someone out there was just shooting amazing shots of just the carnage afterwards. Or, you know, or just stuff that's, like, sl food that's, like, slightly being destroyed. Or, you know, just finding just a different angle of Sink looking full at... Of dishes, yeah. But, or just, like, better, like, in-action shots of meals. Like, the whole, like... You know, the one thing, and I, I'm definitely guilty of it, but I, I, I don't really like myself when I do it, is like, is like when you put the hand in there and, you know, and like you're like, oh, or worse yet, if you do it to your friend and you're like, oh, no, no, just grab it, but don't, don't pull your hand out. Just, you know, yeah, but twirl the spaghetti just a little. No, yeah, okay, just leave it. So that's the thing. I wish, like, we could all get a little freer of shooting faster, like almost like reportage of real moments and posting it. And, you know, it still does take an amazing photographer to be able to do that, I think, and do that, like, often. Um, I know you said to kind of focus more on, like, natural lights, but um, a lot of times, like, um, like you're in your apartment and there's, this, like, this great food shot, like, you have to take, and New York City doesn't have the best lighting, obviously, as you know. Um, so what would be, like, your tips or recommendations to try to get, like, the best, you, you know, shot? You literally pick up the dish and walk over to the window. I mean, seriously, and put it down yeah, on the table. Night. That happens all the time. And if it, honestly, if at night, you can try it. I do this a lot at night in our kitchen. And we'll, my wife and I will make something. And you, I'll take a photo. A, you got to make sure there's no overhead, like so you get a shadow. 
But B, it's like you just got to correct it afterwards and do as much as you can in post, right? Yeah, or if you want to play with light, one of the cool things you could do is you could get that tripod mount that I got. I don't know if you have a tripod, but you could lock your phone off and you see the screen and then you could take a desk lamp or any lamp and um, move it around and watch how the shadows change. You know, try lighting it overhead, try lighting it from the side. So you can play around with light in that way too. Do they make some weird little LED like neutral light source that's like battery Oh yeah, yeah, just like an LED light panel. I mean, they're all shapes and sizes, four inches, five inches, you know, That being said, they're thousands yeah. of dollars probably. So no, you can also yeah, just go with some, a Kleinable or, or, or a frosted light from Ikea and that can, that can work as or well. Or take a pillowcase and put that over your desk lamp and you can see, you know, softer light versus harder light. Hello. Thank you guys for coming out tonight. Thank you. And uh, you brought up an interesting point about taking photos overhead. Is that strictly for the magazine, or is that for Instagram application as well? Why wouldn't you take an angular photo? <laughs> I totally got this one. Um, <laughs> so I think overhead photography with food, it's obviously something I believe in. The way we experience food 90% of the time is overhead. I mean, not square overhead, but very close to overhead. You, you cook it that way, you eat it that way, you know, you have this relationship almost all the time. Chefs played it that way. And we've gotten away from the 90s stacked vertical food anyways. Plates have expanded and they get flatter and more nuanced kind of horizontally. So I don't, I don't think they're, I just don't think it's better. I mean, we have this kind of rule in our office, like you have to come up with a reason to sh not shoot it overhead. Like, which is usually means anything that's vertical, anything that you should see from the side, an ice cream cone, a hamburger, um, a sandwich, uh, a layer cake. I mean, obviously, like when it, a tells, bottle of liquor. when it tells the story better, you should shoot it for the side. The other thing with, with, with angles, you know, like when you're shooting 45 degree angles, like the way your brain at a dinner table can simultaneously focus on the entire length of the dinner table, a camera can't. And so you'll wind up with like, like stuff's blurry and stuff and it looks really romantic. Like I hate that kind of like blurred romantic look. So while your brain can like understand that, like a camera can't. So yeah, we, we stick but pretty I, overhead. Yeah, but just this is an argument he and I have every month. Like I get it. I love the overhead thing, but just for variety's sake, I'm always talking to him and Alex Pollock, my photo director. I'm like, can we just get a couple of like side shots in there? Like can we just get one more, just one more. The, the one other thing is I do, the one other thing that I, man, like the church of overhead, the, the one other thing about overhead is that I think it reflects, and it gets back to that first point, there's a POV moment that happens with it, and I think that you, I don't know, you experience it truer because you can imagine yourself being there. Like if I see, like no one ever experiences like that. You know, like that just doesn't happen ever. So if you th you're there and you're kind of looking at the bird's eye view of this plate of food, you much more easily put yourself there. But yeah, sandwiches. Sandwiches have to be from the side. Uh, who's got a question? Um, so you guys talked a lot about in the beginning where you thought a lot about what was going to be on the cover and what kind of campaign you were going to run. Um, and, that, and you landed on the iPhone uh, photography for, um, for this one. What, what are the first things you think about uh, when you're trying to make that decision? What are like the, like, the first things you try to nail down on your next idea for like the next magazine? For the next cover specifically? Yeah. Um, covers, uh, you know, like I will sort of, if someone puts out a bad cover in a magazine, I'll kind of like, oh, that cover sucks. But I, at the same token, it's so hard to come up with a good 
cover idea every month. Um, you know, New York Magazine has that amazing one this week of the uh, the single women photo with the ring finger, and it's just like you see that, you're like, oh god, that's genius. Um, but Alex and I, with food photography, a on Bon Appetit, we will every now and then put a person or a sort of lifestyle scene on there, but. The subscribers, they, they, you go to a newsstand and 95% of the newsstand is celebrities on covers. And when they get their food magazine, they want food on the cover. They're like, I don't want Jimmy Fallon on the cover of my food magazine. I want a yummy plate of food. So it's like, A, you got to put food on the cover. B, you then have to shoot something that people immediately know what it is. Whether it's pizza, whether it's a burger, whether it's pasta. You can't put something on the cover that's really creative and you're like, wait, what is that? And you have to be able to know what it is from 10 feet away at the newsstand. There's all these things. You want something iconic, recognizable, but also delicious, hopefully colorful. Like, and it's, it's tough. And it's just you hit all those beats every month. Um, it's a challenge. And then you have to put type on top of the thing. And like, does the type go right over the photo? Does it go on the side? And then you've got to squish room in the side. And you've got to make sure that the, the back, whatever the surface of you photograph on, allows for type. Then you've got the goddamn logo you've got to put over the photo. Um, we have a very long, annoying logo, Bon Appetit, very lo a lot of small letters, um, uh, compared to like GQ or Vogue, which are very bold, how we grapple with that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a challenge every month, but like, ultimately, with you know, he and I talk about, like, I, my whole thing is like, you got to know what it is, and you have to know what it is immediately. Like, oh my God, I want that ice cream cone, you know? Um, inside, you can get away with much more creative, sort of nuanced stuff. A cover, it needs to be a it needs to almost hit you over the head right from the get-go. Um, so I guess, do you guys think that the explosion of food photography, which has kind of led to the concept of food porn, is good for food? Or are you at all worried about it taking away from like the actual taste or ingredients? <laughs> that? <laughs> I, think it, I think it's great for I think food. It's great. I think, yeah, it's... Yeah. I think people are becoming more knowledgeable, and I think that's what's most important. Um, people are used to seeing things and learning about new food and uh, different ways of styling or different restaurants that are out there um, at a much faster pace than I think that they ever have. And I think people are cooking more, um, which uh, to me is, is exciting. Yeah, it's funny. It's like the food porn comment is interesting because I do think, yeah, I agree. People are just so much more knowledgeable about food and cooking and ingredients now and, and health and all that stuff where it's just, it, there's this insatiable appetite for food knowledge, which is amazing. But it's funny about the food porn thing. If you have an Instagram account and we can post these photos of these really interesting dishes and you'll get like 600 likes. You post a photo of a piece of a pizza and you'll get like three times that. It's crazy. Pizza, burgers, anything gooey, Anything with like syrup dripping off it always crushes it. And it's always usually the most like that primal urge sort of stuff. Um, so there's that level of it's just kind of straight down the middle, yummy, gooey, cheesy stuff that always kills it. Yeah. Well, food is a necessity too. We all have to eat. Um, so, you know, you don't necessarily always have to buy new clothes or fashion or something, but it's something that's constantly on your brain. So I think it's fantastic. I think it pushes chefs to look at food differently and plate food differently. Um, I think a lot of restaurants get annoyed that people take pictures, but think, on the I've, end, it's great. I think as long as you can forgive your friends and yourself for sometimes making a natural moment feel convoluted by taking pictures of it all the time, I just think, like, you know, you kind of just have to 
let it go. Like, I, I, I hate myself half the time. And I'm just like, well, what are you going to do? Just you give know? Me one it's minute, only getting yeah. worse. But ultimately, I think it's amazing that we are sharing these images. We're sharing this enthusiasm and this love for something that we all have a lot of respect and, and, and passion for. And I think that's amazing. And we can see what's going on around the world. You can follow Rene Redzepi from Noma, and he's in Australia right now. And you can literally know what he's cooking today and what amazing sea creature he's holding in his hand. And that's that's phenomenal. Or it's just, and sorry, no, we move on. But like that that point also, like the fact that you get so much information, you also notice like what trends you get exposed to new things. Um, but you also see what plays well. Like even just what he said about like burgers, like if you're a restaurateur and you realize that like every damn person in the world is interested pretty much in five foods, like it might help you make better yeah. or just better certain menu choices. menu choices. Or it's, it's just, yeah, more knowledge, more stuff. Hi, I'm Valerie Hi, and Valerie. I am a food blogger and Instagrammer. And um, what we were saying about the finding natural light in the New York apartments. So what I struggle with, because I do bring everything to my windowsill and place it right by the window, is varying the surfaces and the backgrounds. To, so do you have any tips or tricks for how you know, we can vary those surfaces so that everything isn't just... So like, as like, if you're someone who posts regularly food and you want to sort of establish yourself as a food photographer or blogger, that's a good question. Like surfaces, which is not something I ever deal with you on could shoots. Try making your own. Um, yeah, we've we've made our own for years. Like we've, what? Out of what? Out of things you can find at an art store, plaster or yeah, yeah like paint. plaster Paris. Mix that with paint and then get um like a trowel or spatula and you can kind of create different textures and grooves. Um, yeah. You know, different scrap woods or or you know small. You don't need huge surfaces like pieces of marble or we were just um, recently in new orleans and one of our best friends and and amazing prop stylist amy wilson was walking through the garden and she's like looking down at the ground and i'm thinking what is she looking at there's nothing growing here and she pulls up this piece of burlap and she's like this is going to be perfect and we brought that back and and shot the food on this dirty piece of burlap that just photographed really gray and worn but so beautifully so yeah. surfaces are everywhere. Yeah. You just have to yeah. look yeah. around. And I think, I think like, yeah, that, 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 um, what is it? It's like the, the wet spackle when you're doing drywall, like the plaster not, of Paris or, yeah, it's not like the, like the super stick, oh, the, the wet, super um, stiff stuff. It's like what you like do drywall to, putty or, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's, not even, it's like a, the any really contractors in the house. Anyway, that stuff dries like super, super matte. We actually don't even, we don't really use it that much, but I've seen people, you know, it's a matte surface, which is awesome. It has texture, but it doesn't get that raised kind of dirty texture. That stuff's incredible. You can put that on like canvas or plywood. Um, a piece of marble, like we shoot, I'm sure Everything you know, marble. all the time. You can go to like a, a stone scrapyard and buy a remnant thing they're going to throw away, as long as it's not that big, for not a whole lot of money. Any, um, anything vintage is great, whether it's old wood or, like I said, old textiles, a vintage beat up tablecloth. I mean, there's so many things. Metal, yeah, metal and, surfaces. And, and you only need a surface about that big that's actually going to be in the photo. So you can keep them in your closet, uh, and it's pretty easy. So, all right, are we, are we all good? Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for coming out. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Alex and Jen and Taylor. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Thanks guys. guys.